This episode of Standard Orbit is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for iPhone, iPad, iPod, Android, Kindle, Windows Phone, plus Mac or PC. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Hey everyone, I'm Rod Roddenberry, and you're listening to Trek FM. Follow standard orbit, Mr. Chekhov, and take a seat. I said. You will obey. It is the word of Landru. Joy to you, friends. Welcome to Standard Orbit, Trek FM's dedicated show about the original Star Trek series. This is a show where we dive into the characters, concepts, cliches, and other things that don't start with C about the original series. My name is Drew, or Landrew. I'm the TOS editor for the network, and with me today, as always, is my co-host Mike from Commentary Trek Stars. Hello. How's, how's things? Is it still winter up there in Chicago, even though it's March? Yeah, um, it was like... Um, 50 degrees uh, two days ago, and then yesterday it started snowing again. So that's good. We can't get away from it. Yeah. What can you do? I just finished watching Game of Thrones, or catching up with Game of Thrones, so mm. I'm expecting this winter to last several years. Okay. Yeah, I don't get that reference, but that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Seasons last for years in Game of Thrones. Oh, that's cool. So this is apparently my punishment for watching it. Well, this week, uh, Mike decided that we should talk uh, the comic books, and not we're we're going to compare the IDW Star Trek ongoing, which takes place in the JJ verse, with the episodes that they've been based on. Uh, when the comics started, people didn't know what was going to happen, and they said that the the comics were going to be clues to the content of Into Darkness, which it was in the most broad sense in that each comic leading up to Into Darkness, save for a couple, were remakes of episodes showing what would happen if this crew encountered what Kirk and what classic Kirk and his crew would encounter, which is Into Darkness, what would they do if they encountered Khan? Uh, so this week we're going to compare the first two comics, uh, issues one and two, on Where No Man Has Gone Before, with the second pilot for the original series. Yep. I, I, I thought it would be cool, um, you know, to, to kind of look and see how, you know, what the parallels are, what the differences are, and what makes sense and what doesn't. And, you know, there's there's a, a, a number of, of episodes which have been covered so uh, by the comics, so, you know, we can return to this in the future and, and take a look yeah. at, at uh, other parallels. It, it'll be another C, comic comparison. Alliterative C. I'm mm-hmm. excited. I like alliteration. Yeah. So what what did you think about this this comic? Well, I mean, I guess first off, we've already talked about Where No Man Has Gone before the episode, and, and we're both uh, rather fond of it. Is, is that yes. correct? Yeah. I like it better than The Cage, I think, is what we decided. Yeah. I don't like it better than The Cage, but I do think it's really good um, as well. And then when this, this comic dropped in between the two movies, uh, what, what were your thoughts? your thoughts on it well um it had been a while since i'd seen the episode because we weren't doing uh the show uh so i've I've been looking forward to doing something like this actually going through and comparing 
step by step. Uh, I really liked it. I like, uh, I like the idea of not, well, before Into Darkness came out, I liked the idea of let's show what the crew would do if this new crew would do if they were in, in these situations because they've got the different relationships. They've got the different attitudes about things. And then Into Darkness came out and they, they did the same kind of thing, but different. But I, I like the comics when they come out. I still do. I haven't read any since Into Darkness came out. I read like before Darkness mm-hmm. or whatever that was called. Pre-Darkness. Countdown to Darkness. Countdown to Darkness. That's what it was called. Yeah. I, I read it leading into Into Darkness. But I haven't read any of the comics after. So I don't even know if they're still doing episodes. I don't think they are. Are they? No, not really. Well, the After Darkness... You know, which everyone's like, well, the way the it was. I did promoted. read the first episode of After Darkness. Yeah, yeah, that was a muck time. Um, had nothing to do with you know. Everyone's like, like the events in this movie are spiraling out, and this is what. And it's like, oh, so it's just a muck time. Okay, it's just a muck. All time. right, well, that's fine. <laughs> um, but after that, I think they've kind of gotten away from it. They did. Uh, uh, just recently they did like a a thing where there was like a parallel universe that mm-hmm. they go to where all of the genders are reversed that's silly so that was that was <laughs> the most recent thing they did but okay so they're trying to branch off into their own yeah they did one where it was like the kitimer conflict you know ooh uh but yeah you know things like that okay so we'll we'll cover the the episode the issues that have episode correlations in this in this series um but yeah like i said i was really looking forward to eventually doing something like this comparing the two so that in my mind i could find the differences and try to see what what uh, the comic writers are trying to say they're overseen by robert orshi but i don't think that he like has a say in it really i'm sure that it's just like lucas with the expanded universe is it okay if we kill chewy yeah sure go ahead I think it's more of like Lucas with the Clone Wars, where you know there he meets with them. You know they they might come up with an idea, but then he comes in and says like, "Uh, that's gonna, you know, conflict with what we're doing." Or, yeah, yeah, that's kind of you know interesting. Why don't you do this? You know. Mm-hmm. So I think what what Orsi's involvement is is to basically make sure that it doesn't conflict with whatever they're doing on screen. And to maybe provide a few suggestions here or there. That's that's the impression that I get, anyway. Okay. I'd like to be in one of those meetings. Yeah. Of course, I'd like to be in any of those meetings. Yeah. So, the comic, the issue, it, it opens up with uh, Kirk and Gary playing chess. Because Spock refuses to play with Kirk. Mm-hmm. While in the show, it's Kirk and Spock playing chess. And they're already very friendly Spock is overly friendly, but that's because it's, you know, one of the pilots. So he's grinning about things and shouting about everything, which this comic Spock doesn't seem to shout all the time. Yeah. And, you know, the the dynamic is different right off the bat because of the nature of what has come before. You know, Spock is the first officer and, and Gary in this continuity has been brought on along with Kelso. Uh, by Kirk because he was friends with them at the academy and he basically wanted to work with people who he could he knew he could rely on. So Gary is not first officer. He is in fact a backup for, um, I guess Sulu, right? 
I think he's a backup for Chekhov. Okay. Again, we'll we'll Kelso. get into this navigator helmsman yeah. conflict, but and then Kelso is Sulu, Sulu's backup, right? Okay. Which Sulu is astrophysicist in the episode. Yeah, but in this, he's obviously just a helmsman. Well, not yeah. just a helmsman. And they and yeah, uh, no Kelso okay. Mitchell mm-hmm. Mitchell is Sulu's backup. And, okay. Uh, yeah. So Kelso is Chekhov's backup. Which Kelso's like an engineer, I think, in in this in the show. Mm-hmm. And well, Sulu's. A, but doesn't Kelso like? I don't know. Kelso does a bunch of things, right? Right. Kelso's pretty much one of the main characters at that point, which I suppose in Pilotville would be like, oh, Kelso, he's awesome, and then he gets killed. Spoilers. To the comic and the show that we've already talked about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, in in the show con in the prime continuity, Kirk and Gary were friends in the academy. Kirk was the upperclassman because he says, like, you know, oh, you better watch out for upperclassman Lieutenant Kirk. You know, he'll get you. While in the comic JJ verse continuity, they were a year ahead of Kirk, Kelso, and Mitchell. Right, which, which is is a weird kind of thing to specifically point out in the comic that maybe but, Kirk joined the academy younger. That doesn't make no, no. But he, he joined did, it later. He joined it later in the in the new continuity, which which makes sense because there's the whole thing where you know he was just because his dad died, he wasn't motivated. He was just hanging out in Iowa until Pike comes up to him and says, "You need to make something more of your life." That's it. You know, I get it now. So, so that that that's a nice little parallel that makes sense, or deviation that makes sense. Yeah. Now, yeah, yeah. I was upset last night, but I didn't think it through all the way. Uh, basically, a lot of the differences are the comic has what like thirty five pages between the two issues to do the whole fifty three minutes of pilot. It's like forty four pages, which I mean, I don't know exactly what the, the translation is, but I've kind of always thought and like reading some adaptations and stuff like that, I kinda always thought that a page in a comic roughly translates to a minute in in a a, a televised program. So I mean to me, I mean maybe there's a few more splash pages and stuff like that, but I, I think it's approximately the same length it would be the length of an episode today you know with commercials and whatnot that's the impression mm-hmm. that i got the comic doesn't have dinner yeah at all and there's a I weird like... a weird reference to that too yeah i like that because in the episode they talk about how we just picked up this psychiatrist from uh from alderbon all Alde... Shoot, never mind. Is it screw that? Alderon. This is called Alderon. Okay. Yeah, and in this there continuity, to... Alderon blows up. Yeah, there we go. So she's not there. <laughs> Actually, uh, McCoy. They've got a great thing in, in the episode. They talk about how uh, she introduces herself to the captain. I'm the psychiatrist. Is brought on board, but in the uh, in the comic, Kirk asks, "What happened to that psychiatrist we were supposed to pick up?" And McCoy says that she transferred, uh, she didn't accept the transfer because McCoy was there and apparently they had had, it's implied that they had a relationship and it didn't end well, which because McCoy isn't on 
the Enterprise during no, Where No Man Has Gone Before, she accepts the transfer. Yeah. And that's one of the things which kind of bothers me about this adaptation, you know, and, and all of these adaptations in a sense, you know, even even going up to Into Darkness in a sense, is if I were doing this, you know, my, my take on it would be, okay, given what has come before, when we get to the point where, you know, basically the inciting incident of that episode, okay, what is different? And because of that, you know, how does the story change, you know, when they reach that, that point? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Whereas here, that's not what's going on because it's there's there's a lot more parallels and the inciting incident or whatever it is seems to occur much earlier in all of these stories because the continuity you know i mean these are these take place the story takes place in uh 2258 right whereas okay. the original would have taken place in i think 2264 yeah that sounds that's what they did so but we've still got the same characters being transferred to the same ships at right. the same time right yeah and it's like i mean okay i can understand gary mitchell being on there but then you start getting into things where it's like what okay so then gary mitchell gets you know zapped by the thing at the same you know and then the story plays out like almost exactly the same way it's like i would have done something weirder and and more different with it like okay um since sulu is at the helm zap sulu with the thing you know and see what happens with that you know don't bring gary mitchell on or or maybe have him on but in a different capacity i don't know i mean that's what i that's what i would have done but you know i guess the point is to do where no man has gone before yeah it was the first issue they were still I mean, they they go out of their way to change things in later issues that yeah yeah upset me. So <laughs> okay, all right. I mean, like, I don't know. It's it's tough because to, to say like we want to do this, you know, like the the big problem to me going into it right right off the bat is that you are six to eight years behind uh, the the thing the stories which you want to parallel, right. I mean, and there's really no way around it. It's not like they have other stories which they could look at, you know. Um, so, I mean, I don't really know what they could do in that sense, but I don't know. And there's other things which I think, you know, even though, you know, this is kind of good going back on what I'm saying, but there are certain problems which you could fix with the continuity by by retelling these stories. If you are going to, to do it the way that they're doing it, you might as well say, like, Okay, how about we don't take them out of the galaxy, you know? Since mm-hmm. that's like looking at the rest of Star Trek continuity, that's like way way out there compared to <laughs> literally. Yeah. So change that a little bit, but I don't, don't call the planet Delta Vega. Right. Even though there had already been a Delta Vega. Yeah. And they just and they like name check it in this like like an episode of Law and Order so as not to get sued by the other Delta Vega or something like that. <laughs> I mean yeah. Kirk, weren't you marooned on another Delta Vega? Let's not talk about it. <laughs> so anyway. Uh <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't mean to go off on a tangent there, but No no, no that's good. Tangents yeah. are good. 
That's why we're doing this. Or jump ahead, but yeah. Um, so in comic book, they 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 make Mitchell's transformation come a lot faster. In that, uh, they don't bother to be like, oh, you know, let's beam on the beacon aboard and let's look at it. And oh, the tapes are burned out. Like they read the beacon stuff just from the bridge while it's still floating out there. And Spock's just like, oh, apparently people at ESP and it went bad. Yeah. And Mitchell's powers, instead of like, oh, he's reading kind of fast, goes from McCoy saying he's reading fast to him telekinesing everything in sickbay. Yeah. Instead of just being like, oh, we caught you sneaking a drink of water from across the room. And uh, another thing that I thought was different was that might be interesting is that Mitchell can tell that the impulse engines are out of alignment from the ship itself in the mm-hmm. comic, but in the episode, he can do it because he read Kelso's mind. Yeah. And that's cool. You know, I mean, that's a a reasonable thing to do. And I'm guessing that's saving on pages on having, you know, Kelso come in and visit and having dinner come in and visit and then having Kirk and Spock come in and visit and then them all leave and stuff when they can just do it all at once. Yeah. Everybody come in and everything's covered. Yeah. What's interesting to me is that uh, in the comic, there's a lot of, there's a lot less punching, which in the movies, in the JJ movies, there's a lot more punching than what, you know, Kirk and Spock would do in those situations. I guess but so. But I noticed, like, uh, in the comic, Gary's, you know, immediately like, aha, you're going to you're gonna uh, abandon me on this planet. So he shocks Kirk and McCoy hypo-sprays him. Mm-hmm. But in the, uh, in the episode, he shocks Kirk and Spock, and then they both, like, punch him <laughs> and, and then knock him out with just their fists. And you'd think... As you know, the crap that people give the JJ verse and stuff, and you know, action, 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 that it would be JJ's Kirk that would be punching people in the face and not Shatner. Well, Shatner would punch people in the face. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think a lot of that has to do with sort of the medium. I mean, the thing that people talk about and, you know, Star Trek belonging on the small screen and, you know, do, being able to do smaller stories and more, you know, character driven stories and stuff like that. I think that uh, the same sort of applies to comic books. You know, the comic books are sort of like uh, a proxy for the um, for a television series right now, and uh, because of that, you know, you don't need to have a lot of punching and stuff. It, it doesn't need to be a big spectacle action thing. It can be just a character thing. Right. So. Right. Some other differences uh, that I noticed were that Kirk has Kelso make like a self-destruct in the episode when they really don't have time in the comic book. They immediately cut to him escaping. Mm -hmm. And that uh, Spock brings the phaser rifle down that Kirk is upset that Spock brought in the series. So it seems that J.J. Kirk understands Gary's danger more, I guess because he immediately was it's like, I'm crazy, and starts zapping people. Yeah. Um, so J.J. Kirk seems more 
willing to accept that he has to kill his friend. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Gary seems to deserve it. Like the really heartbreaking part of the comic is Gary escaping and going up to Kelso and forcing him to shoot himself Mm -hmm. as opposed to like choking him remotely from his cell. And that's, that shows that Gary's, I think that that shows that this Gary is even further gone than the episode Gary. Yeah. Perhaps because he's younger and uh, more um, reckless, you know, just like Kirk is in in the new continuity. Mm -hmm. Maybe that has something to do with it. I mean, maybe it's also kind of a way, or maybe it's manifesting because he is now the subordinate to this guy who his his friend who he was always sort of above right i don't know which which does come up uh during the temptation of kirk scene <laughs> mm-hmm. but kelso didn't die in the original right yeah, because he stuck around for a while didn't he no no uh he, he got choked he got choked and he okay he yeah choked. right okay for some reason i thought <clears throat> i thought that he was uh he was a recurring character, but I think maybe the actor came back. I I don't know. I because it's a pilot, and none of it really counts, right? Okay, I uh, I guess I, I remember him getting choked, but I wasn't sure whether or not he actually died there. Yeah, I think Piper says something about him dying. Okay, all right. Uh, speaking of Piper, in the episode, he finds Kirk and Spock after they get shocked after uh, Mitchell escapes. And Kirk deliberately tells Piper not to wake Spock up, but to tell, you know, wake Spock up on the ship and tell him to leave and, you know, give Kirk some time and then leave them both behind him and Mitchell. While in this one, McCoy or Scotty wakes both of them up in the comic and Kirk directly tells Spock. Not to come after him, he's going after Mitchell, and then he needs to leave with the Enterprise in three hours. Yeah. Which, uh, in the episode, explains why Spock doesn't go after Kirk. uh, Because he's back on the ship. But in this one, Spock does go after Kirk, because Spock's still on the planet. Which creates a nice scene for Spock and Kirk at this point in their relationship, because, you know, Spock is like, Kirk, you shouldn't do this. And Kirk's like, I'm the captain, you know? Right. Yeah. Trying to show that he belongs there, that he can make the tough choices. Mm-hmm. So show Gary attempts, uh, tempts uh, Dr. Diner to be his Eve by showing him a garden and all this fruit. But uh, in the in the comics... He just is showing off to Kirk. Like, look, I can make a garden. I can do anything. And then he shows Kirk the past. Like, showing Kirk in the bar where he got into the fight in the first movie. And then shows him in school taking a test. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is weird, but... uh, Yeah. I'm I'm not sure I understand the the taking a test part. Like he said, like oh, you wish that Gary was there helping you with your, helping you pass your test. I guess to cheat off of him. I don't know. Yeah, I think so. I think that was the idea. It's like looking over my shoulder or whatever. You're wishing your pal Gary was there to slip you the answers. That's what the line is. 
Because the, the whole point, you know, which he says here is like, you wouldn't have that captain's chair without me. And now you, you want to destroy me. And this, this next difference I thought was uh, very interesting is that show Gary is convinced that he's a god and he, he deserves worship. And so he forces Kirk to kneel before him and, and pray to him. While comic Gary has Kirk kneel and beg for forgiveness. Mm-hmm. For, uh, I really like this quote, his pitiful bravado that thinks it's enough to overcome any obstacle. Yeah. And that's playing into, you know, what they were dealing with with the Kirk character in general. You know, the young the young captain who's, you know, thinks he's unstoppable, blah, blah, blah. You know, I mean, there's there's a lot of that. And, and that's sort of like what they're doing with, with his relationship with, with Mitchell, you know. Mitchell is the the upper classman and and whatnot, and he's he's jealous of Kirk essentially for Kirk's success. I, I like that. I like that difference. I think it's a difference I didn't notice when I was just reading the comic, but when I was doing this comparison, mm-hmm. I found that very interesting, very telling. That this Gary is more interested in it sounds like almost interested in making Kirk a better person as opposed to show Gary that just wants to prove his power and uh, show that he is a god. Mm-hmm. And then things get really weird in the, in the differences. In the show, Gary and Denner start doing their godlike, uh, you know, emperor zaps to each other, which makes Gary human long enough for Kirk to, again, punch him in the face. So they fight for a while. And then Gary gets god powers again, and then Kirk pushes him into a uh, grave, which we don't get in the comics. We don't get James R. Kirk on the gravestone. And then Kirk shoots a rock and it falls on Gary. Even though he has God powers, it still kills him. Yeah. Which is weird. But then in the comic, Spock nerve pinches him, which makes him lose his powers. And Kirk just shoots him, which makes a lot more sense than, you know, Let's get into a fist fight first, and then I'll try to kill you as you're getting your powers back. And uh, one of the things that I like about uh, this scene, well, one, you know, it, it, it brings one of the, the main characters into a more prominent role in the climax, since you don't have Denner there. Um, but the other thing is um, the, the very last panel from, from them on the planet, where you see Kirk uh, kneeling over... Mitchell's body is is pretty sad because he's just obviously very distraught over the fact that he just killed his one of his best friends. Yeah, and it's unfortunate that comic book Kirk didn't get to rip his shirt. Mm-hmm. He didn't get in the battle and didn't get to rip his shirt. So I imagine Chris they, Pine's missing out on the shirt ripping. I think the these new shirts have that uh, that that Nike wire flex technology that they have in like the, the football jerseys around the collar so that if people grab them, they won't, you know, tear, you know, stuff like that. Okay. So I can see that. I think in this more, in this more action running oriented Starfleet, right. They have the fly wire thing. I think is what they call it. Yeah. So I can see that. Yeah. Whisks away sweat and, uh, and doesn't rip. Mm hmm. 
see good sports your your sports knowledge is is helping us understand star trek uniforms better (laughs) but but overall i think the moral of the story they didn't change the moral of the episode i don't feel and and to me where no man has gone before is about absolute power corrupting absolutely Mm -hmm. and kirk having to make the tough choice with his friend so so that basic thing is there in both and the and the ending i think is is better because it's it ends with you know kirk in a very sort of reflective state you know whereas the other one is like i think there may still be hope for you yet mr spock you know <laughs> and i mean you know because he's like i feel, felt for him too or whatever but yeah you know and and, and it really does sort of um you know, add texture to Spock and and Kirk's relationship, I guess, by, you know, with Spock saying, maybe we could play some chess later on, you know, or something like that. But, yeah. uh, Yeah, Yeah, I I agree that on the whole it is, you know, the uh, same thematically and and everything like that. It's true to the original, but updated, tweaked here and there, Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, kind of made to work for the new continuity a little bit more it's interesting yeah the the major difference to me is spock Mm -hmm. uh in the in the comics in the in the movies they're not very friendly at this point you know spock just lost his whole planet he's now serving under this kid who cheated on his test and was super proud of it and you know sure they banded together with old spock and you know, saved the day, but they don't really get along, even at the end of, of 2009. So this incident with Gary, with, I think, with Spock disobeying that direct order, go back to the ship and leave without me. Spock disobeying that order and coming to save him, I think, allows them both to realize that they need to put aside their differences and work together like this, that they do better together. Like old Spock was trying to say, uh, to young Spock, Quinto Spock. Yeah. That you guys need to work together. You're the best team ever. You're the best around. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. And, um, uh, I, I think that it's, it's neat to have this alternate take and, uh, to see, what these this new crew in this new continuity would do under under these circumstances yeah there's a lot of really good issues i'm looking forward to to talking about them yeah yeah well that was that was comic comparison issue one and two Mm -hmm. of the idw jj verse but that's just one of the trek topics we've been talking about on trek fm this week here's a quick look at what you may have missed elsewhere on the network Previously on Trek.fm, Standard Orbit. A lot playing commentary. He's got I love his room chess. with yeah. the weird lights. And... Well, he, he shops at Spencer's. Yeah, whatever yeah. that is. <laughs> oh, poor Colin. Now that joke will kill in America. Earl Grey. Jordy LaForge. They're, you know, Sherlock and Watson flying in the face of copyright laws that they didn't realize <laughs> at the time. <laughs> the Ready Room. Emergence. 
the entire scene that Picard and Beverly have is about one-upping each other with pointless trivia about the yeah. Orient Express that they each have. Well, did you know? Well, Beverly, I knew that, but did you know this? And it's like, I'm, what is the point of the scene? I don't. The orb. Trail on trial. There are motifs that carry through, like right her and, hands behind your back. Right, exactly, example. and that's where I think you get the variation on a theme. You know, it's not a new song. It's not even a new verse. It's a reordering of notes to create something different and yet similar. To the journey! Costumes on Voyager. Take that, Enterprise D. That's right. You think your mind was blown in 87. Just wait until you see it in 97. (laughs) Warp 5. TOS Impressions of Seasons 1 and 2. Once I actually started watching it, I began to understand that it was about our future leading into TOS. It's more of a sequel for us than it is a prequel for TOS. Commentary, Trek stars. The X-Files, Small Potatoes. When I get to this episode, I get excited. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is one of the ones that I continually find more things to like about it. Melodic Treks. The music of a black time. Yeah, we can do a Muppets podcast, too. I mean, at this point, we might as well, right? Right. I mean, we're doing every other show. <laughs> Literary Treks. The Return of the Serpent. So they all shoot the dinosaur, and then they look back, and they the Klingon... They to shoot the dinosaur. And then the Klingon's like, no, I can't do it. I don't want to shoot him. I can't. If I do it, then I'll turn into one of those Klingons that I don't like. You mean one of the Klingons that's helpful? And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out these shows and get on the daily Trek talk. You find them on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and the Windows podcast directory for Xbox and Zoom. Or you can stream from the website. Just visit Trek.fm slash PD for podcast directory to get all the links. We have some listener mail that I've uh, I put into a folder and forgot we had. Oh, cool. So uh, this is from Chris Baca, uh, CB Spock from San Antonio. And he says, just finished show 21, Star Trek 101. You guys made some interesting choices and made good arguments for the episodes and movies you included. These are the 10 I would pick if the viewer's only experience with Trek were the J.J. films. I think these choices point out some of the character backstory differences and put some context around the new films. His first is Balance of Terror, Kirk and Command focused episode, just like the films, but with a more mature Kirk. Two, Corbomite Maneuver. Three, Space Seed, introduction to Khan. Four, Doomsday Machine, really good, great episode for Kirk, Spock, and Scotty. Five, City on the Edge of Forever. Six, The Trouble with Tribbles, which introduces the Klingons, and now the viewer would know why they were all laughing when we met Scotty on Delta Vega in Trek 2009, because he had the Tribble next to it. Yes. Uh, Seven, Journey to Babel. Introduction to Spock's parents, so viewers can see the differences in character between the original series and the new J.J. verse. Some lines of dialogue in this episode are actually in Star Trek 09 between Spock and Sarek. 8. Wrath of Khan. 9. The Search for Spock. Some really great character moments to contrast and compare with Into Darkness and Trek 09. And 10. Is the Voyage Home, since all three go together. See, that's interesting. He included Search for Spock to go to Voyage Home, and you included Search for Spock to go to 
Star six. Trek six. See, we've yeah. all got we've all got different ways. Well, it's one of those things where I mean, you know, like with Wrath of Khan, it's like Wrath of Khan, Search for Spock, and Voyage Home are a trilogy. You know, everyone says that, but really, you could they're boxed s- together. Yeah, they are boxed together, but you could literally stop after any one of them and just be like, well, that's the end. You know, you could stop at the end of Wrath of Khan and be like, eh, you know, there's no no part two or three. And you right. could do that with Star Trek three again, and you could, you know, also go on to number four if you want. Yeah. <laughs> he continues. So what 10 episodes movies would you pick to give someone a taste for the whole franchise? It's really hard to do. I tried to stay with episodes that relate to something in a later series. I went with the Mirror Universe and Borg as the overarching themes and a few standout episodes. So Chris's top 10 for the whole franchise, which I couldn't even begin to make my own list of that yet. Mm -hmm. He's got City on the Edge of Forever, Mirror Mirror, The Tholian Web, which is clever because it ties into In a Mirror Darkly. Inner Light, Best of Both Worlds, Family, The Visitor, Crossover, Scorpion, and In a Mirror Darkly. Okay. Well, I have sort of done something like that for the for the franchise on the whole. What I did was, you know, September 8th, 2016, right? The uh, right. 50th anniversary. It is September 8th, right? I always get, is it, whether it's the 8th or the 9th, but it's the 8th, right? I think it's the 8th. It's got to be the 8th, yeah. So uh, what, what I've always said that, that I want to do and what I'm planning on doing and I can't imagine not doing is um, having a, a Star Trek uh, marathon viewing party, whatnot, where we do look at everything from the franchise, you know, sort of like the the best of of all the, the that the franchise has to offer, you know, and uh, and kind of come up with you know a a, a a sampling of the whole of the whole thing, and um, I timed it all out and everything like that. I had certain criteria. I wanted to start with the very first adventure and end with the very last adventure, you know. So start with the cage and end with at that point, what I think is going to be Star Trek uh, th- three. three. Star Trek. Yeah, Star Trek. Yes, exactly. Um, and and then hit, like, basically the best episode of each series. Not what I think is the best episode, but what is considered to be the best episode. So you got City on the Edge of Forever, Yesteryear... Wrath of Khan, Best of Both Worlds, First Contact, Scorpion. Uh, for for DS Nine, I'm not sure. It probably, um, probably uh, the 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 one where the the one that Mark Scott Zickery wrote the where they're in the past and the the, the Benny the Benny. Oh, past prologue? No, no. Um, oh God, why can't I think of it right now? Um, it's on the tip of my tongue. Jeez! Uh, oh, oh, the one, the one with the vision, with the where he's the writer, where he's the writer, the science That's... fiction writer, and I can't come up with the name right now. It's on the tip of my tongue. Yeah, I just had it, but oh well. And then you know, uh, for for Enterprise, I'm not exactly sure yet either. Maybe like Twilight, 
Maybe I'll go with In the Pale Moonlight and Twilight. Whatever. And then at 7.30, right? Right at, <laughs> at well, 7.30 Central Time, you know, The Man Trap. You know, you got yeah. it, right? You see that you're watching that thing at the same time exactly 50 years ago that everyone else was watching it. And then end it with, you know, like Star Trek 09 and then Star Trek <laughs> theoretically, or Into Darkness if Star Trek isn't out yet, you know? Yeah. So, that I mean, it would, I'd have to start at like 7 a.m. We'd be ending around, you know, midnight or something like that, 1 a.m. I'm totally doing that. Do it. Maybe I'll come up for it. Oh, yeah, you got it. It's going to be the best. So I guess that's sort of my equivalent to what... Uh, CB was uh, was was it's going It's a Thursday. For. That's disappointing. Yeah. Oh, come on. You can't take the day off of work for that. Well, I will. All right. Okay. Cool. Two years from now, Two I think we've got now. plenty of time to plan for it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's the plan. So thanks. That sounds awesome. Thanks, CB. Yes. He he closes out his letter saying, "I'm really enjoying the show. Keep up the great work." Oh, thanks again, CB. Yeah, you should keep up the great work listening to us and interacting. <laughs> we like it. Yeah. If uh, if you'd like to interact with us, uh, there's a few places you can go. You can go to trek.fm slash contact. There's a form there. You can choose to send a show and choose Standard Orbit. That'll come to both of us by email. You can also use the tab on the right-hand side of any page to send us a voicemail using your webcam's microphone. And you can talk to us and our other listeners on our forums at trek.fm slash forums. In social media, you'll find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash trek.fm and on Twitter under username trek.fm. Mike, where can people find you outside of trek.fm or on trek.fm and also places? They can find me far beyond the stars. That's the name. At... um, uh commentary trackstars.com where we do commentary track stars off topic or you can find me on trek.fm where i do uh commentary track stars or you can also find me on twitter at mumbles3k or you can email me at comtrackstars at gmail.com you can find me on twitter at uh i forgot <laughs> Double O five. That's right. Double O five. D O U B L E O F I V E. And you can find me on, except for to the journey. I'm pretty sure that I've been on every show on the network. Really? I I think so. Because uh, I just recorded literary tracks and a warp five and an orb. I think you need to get around more. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> oh well. But you've got two shows, two weekly shows. I think that you're you're covering your own bases there. Yeah, and you've had everybody from those shows on your show, so for the that most counts. part, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, before we go, we'd like to ask everyone to please support our sponsor, who helps us bring Standard Orbit to you each week. And our sponsor for this show is Audible.com. Audible is a great way for you to read all the books you've always wanted to read but never thought you'd have time for. Audible's the premier source for audiobooks with more than 150,000 titles to choose from and new titles coming every week. From classics to current bestsellers and even some of the most famous Star Trek books like Prime Directive, Federation, and Spock's World, Audible has something for everyone. Mike, do you have something for everyone? Yeah, I do. I have the Star Trek movie tie-in, 
which is the uh, the novelization of the Star Trek 09 movie. It, oh. it was written by Alan Dean Foster, who, of course, had wow. a hand in writing um, Star Trek The Motion Picture. It's narrated by Zachary Quinto. Um, and it says, In the far reaches of the galaxy, a machine of war bursts into existence in a place and time it was never meant to be. On a mission of retribution for the destruction of his planet, it's half-mad captain, only half-mad. He's only half-mad. Se- seeks the death of every intelligent being and the annihilation of every civilized world. Is that really accurate? No. Okay. Kirk and Spock, two completely different and unyielding personalities, must find a way to lead the only crew aboard the only ship that can stop him. Okay. The only ship in the quadrant. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, you can get the Star Trek movie tie-in for free since you're a listener on Trek.fm. That's right. As a Trek.fm listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice along with a 30-day trial to see how great Audible is. So give it a try today. Catch up on all those classic Trek books you've yet to read and that latest novel from your favorite author as well. Just go to audibletrial.com slash Trek.fm and sign up today. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash Trek.fm, and we thank Audible for supporting Standard Orbit and Trek.fm. And lastly, there's one more way you can help us support Standard Orbit, and that's by adopting some uh, aliens, well, the illustrations of aliens, actually. If you go to trek.fm slash donate, you'll find eight original alien illustrations by Tobu Ushi, who does most of the artwork you see on our website. They're available as both badges and art prints, and there are different contribution levels for you to choose from. Just let us know which you would like in which format. Again, you'll find them at trek.fm slash donate, and your support helps us pay for the cost of production, hosting, and bandwidth that's needed to bring the show to you each week. Well, that was fun. That was a good idea. That was a good idea. I didn't think about that. Yeah. Yeah, it was fun. We'll have to return to this, you know, and take a look at uh, Galileo 7. Oh, that is the next one. It's yeah. one of my favorites mm-hmm. in both the comic and the and the show. So. Yeah. Fantastic. Cool. Mm-hmm. Well, everybody, thanks for listening. Have a good week and keep on trekking. It is the will of Landrew. Mr. Chekhov, take us out of orbit. Ahead, walk factor one. Hi, sir.